This is Geeks and Jacks. And welcome back to Geeks and Jacks. This is episode 93. This is Ryan Sullivan recording. Day later than what I usually do for podcasts. Uh, recording on a Wednesday, December 8th, 2021. Thank you for listening in. Uh, before getting into this episode, this podcast is on anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Breaker. So head on down to those places. Look for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits you. So, definitely got some stuff to talk about. Talk about uh, stuff from Sony, Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and one or two other things as well. Uh, as far as what this uh, podcast usually goes for. Uh, but the one thing that I'll begin with, and it was 80 years ago yesterday, December 7th, 1941, as uh, President Franklin Roosevelt said, a date would live in infamy when the Japanese uh, attacked Pearl Harbor leaving over 2,400 people dead and plenty of the ships destroyed via via low tactics and kamikazes and everything in between. Probably one of the most notable parts, you know, being the USS uh, Arizona like exploding in half, I believe, it, they can't even like get rid of it because I think of all the oil that is um, I think that was on that ship but this was the result of I believe like it was over stuff such as oil and uh, gas and other parts that that Japan needed, and obviously them siding with the uh, Axis powers at the time, which was uh, Germany and uh, Italy. The United States was not really involved in World War II. They they were helping out the British, though. They did help them a little bit during uh, 1940, 41 a little bit. So definitely important, especially with uh, the Battle of Britain in '40, and obviously when the uh, Soviets got betrayed by uh, by the Nazis in '41 as well. Definitely, the response was uh, a declaration of war on Japan, and then getting declared war on by uh, Germany. So it it was the attack that brought the United States directly into war. Uh, they kept themselves neutral for most of the First World War, uh, where they definitely were not pleased with certain tactics of the Central Powers. But as things started to get a little more rougher, I think stuff like the Lusitania getting killed by it 
killing many Americans on that ship and one or two other things that prompted the U.S. to go to war in Europe back in early 1917. Uh, Yeah, when you think about what happened early on against the Japanese, the United States did not have a a foothold on the on the Japanese. They they were a lot tougher on land, and you know one of the reasons why the Philippines was lost and a few other parts of the western not western part uh, part of the Japanese theater. Like they didn't go back to the Philippines until forty four. And when you think about it, the Japanese were pretty ruthless. I mean, they they could chop your head off with swords, or or stab you with their bayonets. I mean, they used any type of tactic as possible to uh, to get an advantage over their enemy. But one of their big things was their usage of aircraft carriers. Think about it, I mean, where Japan is, and there's nothing else really between them and the United States, except for Hawaii, of course, and maybe one or two other islands. But you got a lot of ocean. And you think about some of the big stuff during that time, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, Midway and some of these other battles in the sea, and the Americans... The, the Allies found ways to defeat them by sea and they started to really put a number on those guys. And of course, what everyone remembers, and I think this will be a debate for a long time or not, you know, even after we're gone, uh, whether or not to use atom bombs on Japan. Uh, in August of 1945. So the Japanese had not given up yet. Germany had already given up in three months prior to uh, Hiroshima. And I believe the Italians gave up not too long. I'm not sure before the Germans did, but I don't know. Um, it was Hiroshima and Nagasaki that they uh, atom-bombed. And it, they were the last thing to give up, last uh, group to give up in uh, September of '45. So they were the last remaining beacon of, of Axis power in World War II, and surrendered at the end. And there's been a lot of stuff over the years. Whether you think about it, I mean, Torah, Torah, Torah in 1970 for uh, the Pearl Harbor stuff when you think about Japanese theater Midway was another one uh, I'm trying to think of other stuff I don't count the Michael Bay Pearl Harbor one Is that, that's just generic popcorn flick tour 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 it's just you know you get you understand the psyche of what both the Japanese and the and the Americans were thinking at the time 
before, during, and after the attack. But yeah, 80 years ago, Pearl Harbor, you know, one of the biggest attacks on American land for a long time. Just devastating to the Americans, but they didn't give up. They truly didn't give up. It would, it's just, it's crazy, you know, just how bad, bad that really was, I mean, I don't know what else really to say. And let's stick to movies as well, I mean, mentioning a couple of those things, let's see how the, uh, let's see how this past weekend was because I believe it was the same films again for the top three. It was uh, it was Encanto, uh, Ghostbusters, and uh, and House of Gucci. So Encanto is the latest uh, Disney film, and not. Not the greatest weekend altogether for uh, for for movies. I mean, first weekend following Thanksgiving weekend. So, yeah, I mean, nothing you can really do. Ghostbusters Afterlife. I mean, still showing a decent amount of leg to to what's done. It reached the hundred million dollar plateau here. In, domestically making a little over 10 million dollars so I mean it's still gonna hang around um, I think you're gonna see this film reach I would say at the minimum 115 I'd say anywhere between 115 uh, million or 125 million so its numbers will be pretty close to where Ghostbusters 2 was if I were to make a guess uh, House of Gucci, seven million, it's doing a decent amount of money despite the uh, despite people not being entirely pleased about it. Uh, seven million overall for the weekend, and actually made it's made close to thirty five million in both uh, the domestic and international markets. It's nearing uh, seventy million uh, worldwide, so people are interested. It's you know, some movies, critics bashing it or not, that some people are interested. So, this one, I'm not sure what to make of this. Uh, Christmas with the Chosen, The Messengers. This is the description. The numbers, by the way, according to, uh, are, are from boxofficemojo.com, by the way. So the description is Artists perform new and classic Christmas songs From the set of The Chosen Made uh, Close to 10 million dollars uh, Missed it by Less than 100,000 So 9.905 Million So it's one of those uh, It's one of those things You know probably do well during the month Of December And yeah 
don't know what to tell you. And well, actually, never mind. Never mind. Uh, Four point three million. Sorry, it's just one of those things. Uh, and not too far behind it is Eternals at four point one million, making it close to uh, three hundred eighty-five million dollars uh, worldwide. So, quiet week for the most part. And next, let's see when the next stuff, uh, because the next big film is West Side Story, and there's also National Champions. West Side Story, I think we'll do, I think we'll do decent. I mean, it's Leonard Bernstein, people know about it. But will people like the direction that Steven Spielberg will have with the film? That's what I'll be curious about. I mean, they did they did that one what uh, in the late '60s. So there's already been a film adaptation of it. Could it work in 2021? I don't know. And then there's National Champions thing that you know what I haven't even seen. I haven't seen any trailers or commercials for it. Like, I'm, I'm being flat out honest. I haven't seen a commercial for that at all. And this comes out uh, in three days. Uh, two days, excuse me. There's a bunch of movies that are limited on there. And then, I mean, whatever these films can do before uh, Spider-Man comes out uh, on the 17th. Definitely next week we'll be talking about uh, some of the big movies that are coming out uh, Christmas weekend or uh, that Wednesday before uh, Christmas. So, yeah. So, very quickly with uh, television. So... This is the first new season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. The first episodes aired last week uh, on FXX. Uh, I mean, by first time, first time under Disney since buying out Fox uh, back in and transitioning to all Disney-related stuff with it being like 20th Century Studios, blah, 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 blah. So... They did a pretty, pretty good job of uh, being at the center of controversy that the world saw in 2020 while still showing that they're still pieces of crap. <laughs> so they they wrote the first episode of 2020 A Year in Review uh, the guys that played uh, Mac, Charlie, and Dennis, uh, Rob McElhenney, Charlie Day, and uh, Glenn Howerton, they they made it. They made the first episode where the all the characters were responsible for stuff that happened, such as uh, voter fraud and uh, insurrections, and just causing Rudy Giuliani to look like a fool. <laughs> Who else but Danny DeVito to ruin Rudy Giuliani? Whether whether you're conservative or liberal, it was freaking hilarious. 
seriously. And they, the the spoiler for the end of it, uh, they voted for Kanye West. <laughs> and they have a they have a Kanye song that's that that that's played at the very end of the episode. It's just. I mean, it fits within the realm of how stupid the characters are and how bad they are. <laughs> um, then the next episode, it, it does address one of their own things, and that is uh, the Lethal Weapon episodes. So, they got taken down from uh, streaming because of the use of blackface, which I don't think it was meant to be done on purpose, but still, people could get easily offended by it. So they addressed their own controversy themselves by trying to make themselves look better as, you know, their characters look a little better by making a little more political correct and a few other things. Instead, um, the, uh, the, the guy that they believe was John Don Cheadle makes them look even worse. At the end of the episode, they think about making a Lethal Weapon eight, which is funny because I believe they are trying to make another Lethal Weapon, like an actual Lethal Weapon five. And if they if they really are set on making one more Lethal Weapon, they got to get a cameo from these guys. Seriously, they got to do a cameo because the the first movie first movie turns 35 uh sometime in March actually it was one of the bigger hits that that year of 87 but yeah that get the ball rolling on uh always sunny i've seen every episode of its run on fxx since since the network formed uh, eight years ago, man, I can't believe eight plus years. The time does fly. I mean, it was basically a grounds for films that aired quite a bit on uh, FX and some of their sitcoms and whatnot. They barely even have reruns of TV shows now on FX. I think they might, kind of. But it's become just basically airing whatever big name movies they could find and one or two other small things. And actually, now that I think about it, they have changed so much with FXX because the big thing within its first year of existence, they became the network that got The Simpsons. For a long time, The Simpsons was only on the local affiliates. And my theory on The on the Simpsons on the local affiliates is that I feel like they had to buy packages of the show because the show had gotten so big over the years and they would only air specific seasons. At least that's my theory. Because there were some years where they had like the first eight seasons or so, but they would jump from season eight to twelve or thirteen. They would 
they would avoid uh, like 9 through 12 for the most part. I'm sure some networks didn't, but yeah. Now it's now these days it's The Simpsons, Family Guy, Futurama, King of the Hills on there, which I hope they do a King of the Hill marathon in January to accommodate the show's 25th anniversary. You know. But yeah, always sunny. Uh, the only other thing I could think of was uh, USA Network. I do not like how the USA Network handles TV shows. What I mean by that is like their original programs. But one of the nicer things, and it's kind of nice for it to not be on Peacock for once, uh, Psych 2, Lassie Comes Home. So I look at Psych as the reason USA has a wealth of of TV shows that came about. Along with uh, Monk and one or two other shows, there was Burn Notice, there was White Collar, Suits, Mr. Robot, many TV shows that had pretty similar formulas to to their shows. Now these days, I mean, they, they don't even get a rerun or two on, on TV. And that's one of the things I hate about cable. It's just the, the, the lack of respect towards their own original shows. Seriously, like the lack of respect is very glaring. And the more, the more focused, at least for USA, they're more focused on Dick Wolf, and that's it. I mean, I don't care about Chicago PD or whatever, Fire, or any of those freaking Law & Order shows. Give me, give me some Psych, give me some Monk. You know what? I would have loved to have seen maybe like a Burn Notice or something. I don't know. But Psych 2... It is a focus more on one of its characters, uh, Carlton Lassiter, Lassie. And they definitely focused a pretty good part of the plot on him. Uh, I really think it was more of a response to what happened to him when the first uh, Psych movie was being made. Uh, unfortunately, uh, his actor... Uh, Tim Amundsen wound up having a stroke and they wrote that part into the into the film of Lassie having a stroke and just having issues walking and several other things along with uh, getting shot by someone and and a mishmash of everybody trying to um help help Lassie out uh, whether it's uh, Sean Sean and Gus or Juliet or uh, or or Henry and I'm not sure I don't think she was introduced in the first one but there is an introduction to uh, Gus's girlfriend Selene Selene I don't know how you say it it almost feels tempting to say Celine, but that's not true. It's Selene, uh, played by uh, Jasmine Simon, who is the wife of Gus Dulé Hill. 
and she, she she actually does pretty well with her character and provides some of the funnier moments of uh, the film. It is a dark film a little bit, and it's one of those things that it's it definitely feels like a tribute, somewhat to 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 suspenseful stuff, horror film. Maybe not like a slasher flick, but some nods to stuff such as uh, Rear Window, for example, and uh, actually some of their guest stars. Uh, there was Richard Schiff, uh, Kadeem Harrison, I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, Sarah Chalk was in it, and the funny thing is they were able to get a couple of Scrubs references, I believe, into uh, that film, which is funny because I believe uh, Sean and Gus are often compared to uh, uh, the Scrub characters, uh, J- J.D. and Turk. Uh, ran at a decent pace, uh, f- flashy humor. I mean, it's 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 a film for the fans. That's that's basically what it is. I I like that it's for the fans and even nods to their own to their own fan base with some of the stuff that they mentioned throughout it and just. You know, just the amount of love and attention that the uh, film, that the show gets. I mean, you don't, you don't see that. I mean, it definitely reaches cult fan base status, even even though it was one of their big shows for eight years. So yeah, you know, Psych Two. I mean, I I wish they would do more of it, air it on on TV. I'm sure there'll be like a DVD or Blu-ray of it down the road. Um, maybe whenever, uh, maybe whenever they finish uh, doing all the films, because I think if I remember uh, years ago, Steve Franks, the creator of Psych, wanted to do six movies. I think I think they'll reach that number pretty quickly. And they're already halfway through with uh, This is Gus, the third psych film that came out uh, less than a month ago, mid-November. So, yeah. Psych 2, I mean, it's on Peacock, unfortunately, so you'll have to pay five or ten bucks a month for the service. get into the NFL and some of the weirder games to have occurred. How would you like to throw three passes? Mac Jones went two for three passing as the New England Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills 14-10 to to have a sizable lead on the AFC East. They ran that ball. Damian Harris and that Stevenson guy. They did their job in the defense. Kept uh Josh Allen and check in so seven and five now uh, Buffalo nine and four uh, New England in a game where it was so windy out and there was a tweet I saw that there should be all dome stadiums for uh, for the NFL I'm not sure I agree with that baseball I think so especially with all the rain delays and all that I think dome stadiums make more sense for baseball 
not so much football because you don't get you don't get stuff like Philadelphia Detroit in 2013 where it was snow everywhere and or the Calvin Johnson with all the snow in his helmet like covering his face you don't get that type of stuff you know if you get rid of uh, open stadiums not to mention I mean this is this goes into baseball a little bit as well but the cost of having a dome whether you want a retractable roof or not I mean that's that's basically what it comes down to is the, the cost and look when it plays a factor in uh, in these games it's I'm sure it's won and lost games for both teams you know but yeah uh, definitely panic button right now for Buffalo because Cincinnati and the LA Chargers faced each other and they're both seven and five now uh, the Chargers beat Cincinnati I believe it was 3822 uh, big comeback early on by uh, Cincinnati but the Chargers bounced back in the fourth quarter and yeah Justin Herbert's on a whole new level this his sophomore season in the NFL and with a good run game and a strong defense this team could find themselves in the playoffs the Thursday night game was uh, New Orleans and Dallas and Tony Pollard I think has solidified himself as someone that could make an impact on uh on another team if he gets signed by them. Overall, it's panic button as well for the Saints as they lost 27-17 to and first five-game losing streak for Sean Payton. He never had a five-game losing streak prior to that. And that says a lot to the resiliency and the ability to bounce back from from certain losing streaks different type of team this year compared to years past and more than likely their first losing season since 2016 oh well I believe Dallas is 8-4 and th- eight and four now I believe but they do got to keep their eyes on uh, Washington and Philadelphia uh, Washington specifically because they are 6-6 six and six now for the year uh, 17 to 15 again. Two straight weeks with that same score, but this time of a game-winning field goal to seal the deal. Right now, they're just playing respectable football. They're running it decently. Uh, I think the the maturation of the maturity of uh, Taylor Heineke right now. He's definitely playing at a decent level for someone that hasn't really had much experience as a QB. Uh, the big thing right now, uh, not f- on the field-wise for, for the team, is going to be the Robert Griffin book that, I don't know if it comes out this year or next year, ex- but probably plans to expose how bad the team has handled things, especially with with some of the stuff involving Daniel Snyder, Bruce Allen, some of these other guys. It just seems like just not a 
really good run organization. But Ron Rivera knows how to fix fix teams. He did that with Carolina, so yeah. Uh, uh, was who was the the Raiders that a big win against uh, Dallas last week? Now they're back to I believe it was six and I think they're six and six now for the year. So that team definitely uh, they they just they keep struggling, and it's one of those things you know down the stretch they they're not finding their rhythm. And same with Denver, uh, six and six now for the year. The Kansas City Chiefs beat them. Javante Williams, probably one of the few bright spots for Denver. Hundred uh, plus yards rushing and seventy-five yards. I think it was like seventy-six to be exact uh, receiving. So he's become one of the better guys for a team that's done okay. The the Chiefs don't look all that great either, but they're doing enough to to win games via their defense and do just enough with Mahomes. Eight and four for the year, but man, they they could be a one and done team uh, in the playoffs. And just, I'm not sure who would represent the AFC soundly. I really don't know who. I mean, trying to think of like teams that are in the hunt. I'm trying to think of, I mean, you got Miami who beat the New York Giants. Though they're not a team, I would fully say they they could be a postseason team. If it wasn't for the seven game losing streak, they probably would be at least in the thought of playing upset to earn a playoff spot. Because Tua Tagovailoa has done pretty well. The defense has woken up this time. I think they've done enough now to save Brian Flores' job. And I think he'd be back next year. So I don't think he's on the hot seat. I'm trying to think of like teams who are on the hot seat, but... I, I was, I'm not sure Fangio of the Broncos, Vic Fangio, would uh, be on the hot seat. I think maybe, but Arizona versus Chicago, uh, 33 to, I think it was like 18 or something, I forget. Offense is clicking again uh, for the Cardinals. They're, they're running the ball decently. Kyler Murray, you know, back from injury, doing pretty well. Didn't need to do much, but. I think Matt Nagy, you know, now that I think about it, wouldn't be surprised if he's fired at the end of the year. Just they, They've fallen so hard. And just bad performance by Andy Dalton. They ran the ball, okay, just in the defense. Pfft, crap. Philadelphia, I mean, Gardner Minshew beating up on the Jets. Actually, if I before I forget, uh, six and seven Dolphins. I believe Giants are four and eight now for the year. Uh, Cardinals are 
believe the Cardinals are 10 and 2 for the year. I just want to take a look at that for a second. Arizona Cardinals. 33-22 was the Bear game. What was the one that was 33-8? I think 33-18 was the Philly Jet game. 10-2 for the year. Cardinals, 4-8. Uh, Bears. 6-7 and seven, Philadelphia. And I believe 2-9 and nine, or 2-10 and ten, uh, Jets. Yeah, that'll be an interesting matchup between them and the Saints. I I would think that's a must win for the Saints if they can even three and nine for the year. Uh, the uh, the Jets and the reason why I bring up Minshew is because this is a guy that could definitely get a chance to play somewhere good because he was pretty good. Uh, twenty nineteen with the Jaguars, he did really well. I feel like he was misunder. I think he was misused last year. And I just, I don't know. I think he would make a good backup. I think he would have. Uh, let me rephrase what I'm saying. I think he would make a good starter somewhere. Someone's going to want him. I could see him as a starter potentially for a couple teams, but not sure where. And when you think about it, uh, San Francisco, their quarterback issues, they're going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of the year. Not a great way to end your tenure there. And they lost the Seahawks, I believe, 30-23. to So they're 6-6, six and six, I believe. I believe this is the fourth win out of uh, the Seahawks this year, 4-8 for the year. It's always like the rivalry games in that NFC West that shape up who wins the division. LA Rams with a bounce back win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they're still one of the top teams in the uh, in the uh, NFC West and one of the top teams for the wild card spot in the playoffs. Tampa Bay, man. I'll tell you what. Buccaneers keep continuing their their good play. Tom Brady four touchdowns, ninety three now for the year. Five and seven Falcons in that defeat. I seriously wonder if Matt Ryan will find another team another team down the road, especially with how things are being run. Uh, Colts beat up on the uh, Indianapolis Colts beat up on the. I believe, I believe they shut out the, yep, shut out the Houston Texans. Thirty-one nothing. Six and six now. I mean, they have to win all out just to even make the playoffs. Uh, seven and six. I don't know why. The, sometimes it loads on certain things. Texans two and ten for the year. More than likely, that's going to be the team that gets uh, the number one spot in the NFL draft uh, for next year. But, Detroit, actually. You know, I forgot about Detroit. They won a game. So they're 1-10-1, one, one, and one, I think. Beat Minnesota. Oh, yeah, they 1-10-1 they for the year, and Minnesota is 5-7. and seven. 
They did enough to scrape by with a win. Ain't that crazy? And if Minnesota, they their chances are of being a postseason team are very, very slim now. I'm not kidding. So with that said, uh, I don't know what else really to to uh, discuss with football. It's just one of the weirder sports to. It, it just gets it gets so crazy during the holiday season, you know, because everyone's fighting for top spots for the divisions. Um, one of the big shocking ones is Pittsburgh uh, uh, beating Baltimore. Uh, twenty to nineteen, and the the speculation is, according to, to ESPN and several other websites, Ben Roethlisberger playing his final season with Pittsburgh. So I don't know if that means he's done with the NFL for good, or if he goes somewhere else next year. But he will be looked at as one of the greatest uh, Pittsburgh Steeler players ever. Uh, not a huge loss for the Ravens, um, but the big loss uh, as far as their roster goes is Marlon Humphrey out for the rest of the year uh, with a torn pectoral muscle. There's a couple other guys actually for the NFL that are going for season-ending surgery or out for the season. Uh, Logan Thomas, the tight end for Washington, out for the rest of the year. Jamal Adams, shoulder injury, out for the rest of the year now. It's weird just how many how many players are just getting hurt and this is the severity of these uh of these injuries. It, I was just thinking just now with uh just thinking Jacksonville, imagine how different that team would be if they had a healthy offense. Let's see if there's any other scores that I missed, but the like the health is just so ridiculous. Hugely ridiculous. Trying to look for other scores that I might have missed out on. Nope. The big game is going to be for Thursday night, Minnesota and Pittsburgh. Some of the some of the big games include Baltimore, Cleveland, Raiders, Chiefs, Dallas, and Washington. Chargers, Giants, 49ers, uh, Bengals, Bills, Bucks, and Rams, Cardinals. And why I highlight these games, uh, primarily because Pittsburgh could still have a chance for the playoffs for uh, if they can win all out. Uh, Raiders, Chiefs, just to see if the Chiefs <coughs> extend their winning streak. Baltimore, Cleveland. If Cleveland can find a way to sneak into a postseason spot, but more than likely they're going to have to win it all out. Battle for first place, potentially, between Dallas and Washington. Chargers, Giants, if the Chargers can keep up with the Chiefs. 49ers, Bengals. More so Bengals. I, I think if the 49ers were to have won, they would have kept themselves in a decent spot. Bills, Bucks. I mean, Brady versus the Bills, and if the Bills can stop this uh, decline that they've been in lately. And Rams-Cardinals, just to see how, uh, if the Rams can potentially sneak up at the end of the year, if they can get 
cobble together another winning streak to to get either a wild card team or uh, be be the division winner. So one of the big things uh, I'll bring up for baseball very quickly is uh, is the managerial search of the uh, New York Mets and they're looking at guys from uh, Tampa Bay, Houston, several other teams. They got rid of uh, Luis Rojas at the end of the year. I'm not sure it's, I mean, maybe it was coveted six, seven years ago when Terry Collins took over, but altogether it's, that's just, it's just a poorly managed franchise. But with some of these uh, talent that they have, pending if the strike ends before the season begins or before spring training begins, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they'll get their manager. I mean, I'm sure they will. It's just, who do you pick? Not a lot you can pick from. So yeah. Uh, lastly. Uh, gaming, uh, a couple Sony things. Uh, so, there are packages for uh, downloading and streaming services on Xbox and the Switch, most notably the Xbox Game Pass, which allows you to download or stream games on your Xbox One, I believe the uh, Xbox Series as well. So, potentially... And this was according to websites such as uh, GameSpot and, I believe, what was the, and The Verge. Sony could be looking at their own service with uh, Spartacus. So, supposedly, coming out this spring, and it's kind of their way of replacing PlayStation Now, according to the articles which allowed you to download uh, the the selection of games that Sony offered on there. They did offer PS3 games and Vita games, but from what I understand, they had to be streamed. And not everyone has the best internet service. So, they, they're still going to allow PlayStation Plus, which 60 bucks a year to uh, get two free games a month, uh, discounts online. But one of the big things that I'm sure will be on everybody's radar is that it's going to offer, for the highest tier, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, and PlayStation Portable games. How awesome is that? But the question is if whether or not you can download it or not. If you have to stream, I'm not sure that's possible. Especially with how some of the old school games uh, were to have been played. But just the fact that it's getting PSP and PS3 games. How awesome. Seriously. That is amazing. Really, really amazing. Because the PlayStation 3, its hardware architecture is very complicated and a lot of games 
were not optimized very well on PS3. You know, it's the reason why I would pick 360 over PS3, just because of how much smoother a number of games were on on that platform. PSP's never really gotten a huge amount of love. I mean, I mean it's liked, but I don't think Sony's given it the kind of love that it deserves. And probably looking at it now as a legacy system and to get people access to games that people want, you know, probably wanted to play, you know, whether it's some of the RPGs or some of the compilations and a few other things. PS1 and PS2 seem like no-brainers. Very obvious. Because a lot of people, when they think of classic PlayStation, they think of those two systems because of the libraries that they amassed uh, from the mid-90s through 2010. 95 through 04 on PlayStation and 2000 through 20... I believe 2012-2013 for uh, PlayStation 2. Granted, the last couple of years were just really sports games. I think I think Sony's looking at it as a very serious thing, and I think I think it'll do well. Just give us the ability to download. Seriously, download download the titles. It'd be nice to download on the service, you know, a PlayStation One game. I, it'd be nice to download, say, Rayman Two, or uh, Medal of Honor, or some of these other games, you know. Not sure if they get Crash Bandicoot or Spyro, but yeah. I mean, there's a decent amount of titles you can get that they can put up on the uh, service. Would I buy? Probably not. But depending on the type of type of games that they put on there, why not? What my if the ability to download as well, I wouldn't mind putting out putting out some money to play the service so yeah um playstation spartacus <laughs> sounds like a god of war type of thing and that comes on the heels of of a vice president of of one of their divisions getting busted for a pedophile sting I'm gonna look at that for a second. PlayStation, PlayStation VP, VP fired. I mean, they terminated him immediately. An executive fired after amateur pedophile hunter sting video posted online. So, allegedly, this was a couple days ago. Allegedly, was in a video and was to meet a uh, 15-year-old boy. Yikes. Video uh, video was posted. This is on CNET.com. George Cacioppo Cacioppo arranged a meeting with a person claiming to be a 15-year-old boy. According to a video posted December 3rd by the YouTube channel People vs. Preds, senior vice president of engineering for eight years. Uh, 
it's just man and this goes along with you know some of the stuff going on with the toxicity of the gaming industry and you know stuff such as the Activision Blizzard thing with harassment and just bad work environment yeah, yeah this stuff can happen in the gaming industry it's not something to be stunned about you know if only we could find ways to make sure that this stuff doesn't happen or if it does happen that I think some of these people get punished very well and I think I think this guy is going to find himself in the jail cell for if to the alleged is true find himself in the jail cell for uh, for a long time and I don't know 20 years I don't know what the rules are now these days especially in places like California ugh <sighs> Hate to end it on a downer, but that's—I mean, not every—not everything is a happy ending. But you know, maybe next—maybe next episode, you know, find a happy ending. You know, talk about something good, maybe like a top ten thing, top ten gaming thing. You know, I wouldn't mind doing. So with that, episode ninety-three of Geeks and Jacks. Before. Ending it, as mentioned earlier, this podcast is on Anchor.fm. You can also find us on Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and Breaker. So head on down to those places, search for Geeks and Jacks. Plenty of content awaits you. So with that, this is Ryan Sullivan for Geeks and Jacks. Hope to hear your listeners on the next podcast. Stay safe, stay protected, take care of yourself, take care everyone.